You're listening to Strength and Bonds, an Async Twilight Imperium podcast. Episode 9, Kyle Can Be Ruthless. I'm your host, BLT. Hey everybody, glad to be here again. By the time you listen to this, it'll be the day after my birthday, but I'm recording this bit on my birthday, which isn't a bad way to spend it. Um, Big thing that happened this week is PBD 266 finished. This is a game that we called Not for the Faint of Heart. Seven players, Magi's Madness, 20 points. It finally ended just shy of one year of playtime, and uh, I did win, which was both fluky and a little anticlimactic at the end. We were really looking forward to a, to a really stimulating round 10. Hadouken was at 19. I was at 19. He had a stupidly funded Nazruka military from all his economy on all the explorers and attachments and everything. He probably could have taken shard his first action. I don't know what I was going to do. I could score the publics, but I, I didn't have a specific plan. And then mutiny flipped, and uh, I think people were just ready for the game to be done. We voted for. I was ahead of Nazroka in speaker order, and uh, so I got the win, 20 points. But like I said, mostly just really thrilled for that to be over. It was a lot of fun. I probably would do another 20-pointer, but maybe if it took less time than a year. I also have a quick bit of errata before we get into the main show. Uh, My son listened to the show last week and wanted me to clarify that the two-player games that I played with him were real Twilight Imperium. And I did use my copy. I was saying last week that I used my copy for my first real game. And what I meant by that was my first six-player game. Um, But yes, thank you, um, Bluebird, I'll call him, um, for clarifying that. And as you could tell from the title of the podcast this week, we're going to have a special guest on so let's just go right to that conversation. All right, and next we're going to have Kay Ruthless join us. I'm really excited to have him on the show. Welcome. Hey, what's going on? Hey, yeah, uh, really appreciate you you taking the time. I've got a, actually a lot of things I've been wanting to talk to you about, so uh, I'm looking, really looking forward to, to the conversation today. Yeah, me too. Uh, and also, just to clarify, I mean, a lot of people already know me as Kyle, but... Um, you can call me Kyle here too. Okay, well then I'll do that. I'll I'll, I'll just do whatever makes more sense. I'm always <laughs> I'm always torn. Is that is that just like a thing that people do when they met you at Gen Con, <laughs> or is that like you know what's? what's oh, that? I think I think it's a it's kind of a running bit that I do where like, um, it depends on what mood I'm in in the game. Like, um, you know, K Ruthless is my father's name, uh, but <laughs> okay. but really it's a um, the name comes from like it's kind of a play on words on my my full name. My name's Kyle Rutherford, so K Ruth Liss instead of the rest of the Erford. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but it kind of came about when I first joined um, the Async community before the Discord was even a thing. Um, and I was trying to come up with some sort of name that I could embody in a persona. Um, and, you know, flopped around for a while, but ended on K Ruthless because it kind of fit what I was going for. 
Okay, cool. Well, let me let me let me ask both those questions in order, though. How what how did you end up joining uh, or the async community? How did you find it? And, you know, you said it was even before the Discord. Was this on on yeah? So platform? I I don't know if um, you are familiar with um, TI Wars. Sure. But I got into TI Wars. I think from like a um, a Reddit thread or something like that, and I joined that community and got a, into a bunch of games and met a lot of. Um, honestly, pretty well-known players in the SCPT um, community there, like BotBot, um, and started playing games there. And that's when I started getting a lot of practice in TI, and I think that Async in general um, can benefit a lot of people by just getting in reps. Right? Before that, I had just played like five or six times in person. And through Async, I'm... Um, over like 150 games probably um <laughs> yeah, since awesome. i don't know like two three years ago yeah so i started at ti wars and then i started um why well, I, I was actually in the very first um pbd game um, i did not know that okay cool yeah i was in the first pbd game with with humble checkmate and um holy teaspoon and hadouken and um I'm forgetting the other people that were in that game as well. Um, but I kind of went from TI Wars to um, the Discord um, th through kind of a convoluted process. But I saw on Board Game Geek that they were doing an alliance um, tournament. And I was like, whatever, like, I I I'll join this. But we were posting it. Uh, each move, like, had to be an edited post. And you had to copy paste everything, and then you were keeping track of all your stats and stuff on like a Google Doc. It was very intensive, but it was a way to play TI like throughout the day, which was awesome. Right. And I was a nanny at the time um, <laughs> with a one year old, and he was not um, needing a lot. And, you know, I was pretty bored, so I was <laughs> just doing that um, while he was napping for the most part. Um, and I would just, you know, check and take my turn, and that was pretty cool. The Alliance tournament fell apart. But um, Holy Teaspoon was the one who organized it, um, and he invited me to um, the server that had just started, and we started to try to play it on Discord instead, because um, as the tournament on Board Game Geek um, kept going, people were starting to use Discord to ping each other for turns and to keep track of stats. So we're like, why not just move over to there completely? Um, and when it first started, it was... Um, same sort of thing. Everything was like on a Google Doc. Uh, you had to type out all your turns. There was just pictures of TTS saves um, that were um, updated on regular scheduling. Um, and it was it was great. Um, it was cool to interact with Humble for the first time. Um, I was a big fan of his. Sure. And uh, Teaspoon and I got into uh, quite the... Um, kerfuffle about at an x minus one round one and if he was owed that and if it was a zero sum game um and that started our our loving feuding relationship <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> um and it's it's cool like the the async community and discord community in general um has brought like a bunch of connections like i hang out with with teaspoon in person now probably once a week we happen to both live in austin okay. um so that's really cool. Um, people have visited from out of town. I hung out with Brian and Jazz Hands before. Um, yeah, just I really like that it inspires that community, and that's why it kind of keeps me around. 
Well, I had no idea I was going to get a history lesson too. I had no idea that you were in the first one. Uh, I, I also yep. came over from, from TI Wars uh, originally. And so that's kind of cool that, that you, you did that same path. It, it's, it's like, it's like more developed in some ways and, and then way less mm-hmm. developed in, in others. And of course it's less true over time, but, um, but yeah, very cool. You're, uh, and your game with teaspoon sounds like most of mine. It's like this, like love, but also very like tense relationship in the games. Yes. I'm saying <laughs> like every single yes. time. Yes. He, uh, we know how to push each other's buttons real good. Um, and I was actually also in the, um, I think it was, maybe it was the first, I don't know. Um, there was like the, um, a TI War tournament. I played in that. Um, sure, tournament one, yeah. Yeah, I was in that one. Um, and then that's after that, I kind of toned down my the number of games I was in and transferred completely over to Discord. Um, but in, in either uh, place, I've always overextended myself and ended up in way too many games. And then uh, I had to tone it back. I don't know if you experienced that too. <laughs> so that resonates a lot, actually. Um, maybe, maybe I'll just ask you about that really quick right now. Um, there's a few there's a few things on my list, but that was definitely going to be one of them. Um, I know what you're saying. So so you know I can speak to it personally. We can see it uh, also just across a lot of people on the server. You'll see people who join three, five, seven, ten, fifteen games, and then they're just gone. You know, uh, yeah. you never see them again, <laughs> or maybe you don't see them again for six months or something. So you see that. Um, but even more than that, I see like a lot of folks that I play with will say like, oh, you know, I'm finally getting my game count down. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm down to four, I'm down to six or, you know, depending on who it is, I'm down to 12 or something. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, tell me, tell me how that's been for you. And, and I guess, I don't know if you want to, if you have advice or just, you know, it sounds like you've, you've kind of had that, uh, that pattern happen for you too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's maybe something that everyone just has to figure out on their own because, um, the, what works for you is going to be very individualistic to that person, right? right? Like some people can handle 15 games. Some people can't handle more than two. Right. Um, you build up a tolerance over time as well, but something maybe helpful to remember is that um, every time that you start a game, it is a commitment. And um, if games pick up speed and want you to be uh, more attentive to them, then that's a, an additional burden. But also, like, when games are slow, um, usually at predictable times like weekends and holidays and stuff like that, it can be pretty tempting to start another game up. Right, um, right. But you have to be careful not to do that too much where you're, oh, no, I'm at 20 games. And now I look at my Discord and have 45 pings. And that, and then you're like, well, that's so much that it's not even, I don't even want to open it. Right. And then, then there's like an avoidance thing. of Like, I don't want to come back to it because it is too much. So uh, I guess finding the area where it doesn't feel like it's too little where I'm waiting around so much. Um, and the upper limit being like, when all of the games fire off at once, at what point am I overwhelmed? Um, and finding that balance, I think. And that for me was finding that through <laughs> failure. And, and <laughs> that, that part where I'm looking at my Discord, I'm like, I don't want to open it. Okay. Yeah. No, I, that, that makes a ton of sense. Like what you're saying is, is, you know, you don't want to pick your number of games based on when they're the slowest you want, you know, because, Mm -hmm. uh, that's the temptation is to say, well, you know, if, if, if I'm in fewer than, you know, pick a number six games, then I'm going to have all this dead time and I don't want that. I want to be in a game or whatever. But then, yeah, if, if being in six means that when they're all actually busy, that's too much, then that maybe is the thing to think of. But to your point, I think 
it's going to be different for every single person just figuring out what that is. Well, also, um, to go along with that, um, I think people nowadays are pretty good about um, the expectations that the games are having now. So, like, this is going to be a slow burn. This is going to be a fast game. Um, And maybe diversifying what type of games you have um, can be helpful. I found that I joined us um a slow burn game as a sub and that's been super enjoyable because there is absolutely no pressure to come back and play and that almost makes it easier to come back because there's no perceived like I'm holding everyone up and then it or like I've waited too long I don't know what's going on um I can just come back whenever it fits my schedule and the freeness there makes me want to keep coming back well, you use the you know you've been talking about the community. You use the word commitment, and I think that's the biggest thing, and it's something I really valued. Is I you know in general when people join a game, I I feel like there is some some kind of mutual commitment there that we're both going to kind of try to, or all six of us or whatever are going to try to you know move it along and, and and let people have fun and whatever. I mean, obviously, life things come up. Like if you're in the hospital, if you know whatever, like it's it, people are always mm-hmm. also very forgiven when things happen, but just in general, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, when the commitment is, dude, don't worry. <laughs> that, that could be nice too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, and yeah, I would I would even consider if you feel like you want to add a new game because other things are going slow, consider adding a um, a slow burn game because that is makes it seem like there's always something going on in the background. I can always go check in and even just like mess around with the people in the chat, um, almost right. like a more of a social space, um, and that can keep things entertaining for longer. All right, cool. I love that. Um, so let me go back to the other thing you were saying at the beginning. So you 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 said you picked um, Katie Ruthless as kind of like this persona, and it sounded like you wanted to. So I guess tell me about that. Like, was this something that you you wanted to uh, you know explicitly have kind of a, a persona in 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 the in the game? Um, is there is is that like just already how you were playing it when you played in real life, and you wanted a name that matched that? I'm kind of curious, like. Uh, you know, because you do have a bit of a reputation, at least in, you know, again, in game only, not, not outside the game, but of, of, you know, maybe you got to watch your back just a little bit. Um, yeah. So, um, so tell me about that. Great, that's a great question. Um, I think something that I value in TI, but also just games in general, is that it opens um, the magic circle. I don't know if you've heard about this concept before, but um, essentially uh, it's a concept in in gaming and role-playing, whatever, um, that whatever happens within the magic circle, as long as we're all on board for that, can stay there. And that is not going to be um, associated with who you are outside of the game. So you can explore safely some things that are um, usually like antisocial or not like pro-social behavior. So like take uh, social deduction games, for example, that creates a magic circle where you can safely lie to your friends and it feels fun and exciting instead of horrible and um betraying them right right that's and that's um, like the contract or whatever like like we all came we know yeah, it's, it's a social, social contract, game no exactly. one no one's mad but that's literally what we're doing here right yeah exactly and so um i think i applied that specifically to ti because um in my personal life i am nothing like um this ti persona i've created and I actually really enjoy that I've created like a reputation for myself because it like um, further reinforces that I can explore these different sides in the game. Um, And I like being the table villain. It's fun to me because I am (laughs) 
like professionally and personally, like I'm a marriage and family therapist and I um, have to be emotionally in tune to clients and I am a very empathetic person. I hate making people upset. Um, that makes me upset when I do that. Um, um, I feel like um, T. or I guess being this ruthless person in the game is a way to explore like the counter to that um, where mm -hmm. I can safely be someone who can extort and um, have fun with that and be the villain um, where in my personal and professional life, like I'm the 180 version. Is that, I mean, I, I guess, I guess I'm trying to figure out, is that something that you practice? Is that, so I'm the exact opposite, right? I, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm pretty much on the table the way I am in real life, which is mm -hmm. the only reason I'm going to poke you, the only reason I'm going to take your stuff, the only reason I'm going to make you mad is because I think it's like necessary. It's like absolutely at that point where like I can explain myself, you know, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to, uh, and, and, and that works for me in a game level too. We could talk about that in a second, but I, I'm just curious, is this something that someone can like learn uh, or is this something that like you just specifically you know wanted out of your ti experience i guess um yeah i think i think from learning the game playing with the same group um and stuff like that like it was my copy um and i think most people who are the host and have the most experience kind of or know where i might be going with this but the better that the host and the person who plays the most is the more heat that just generally falls on them. Sure. Um, and at one point, uh, I was trying to be like the very accommodating uh, person that I am in real life. Um, and that was being overlooked. It wasn't like it, that wasn't being taken into account in the games because uh, like and rightfully so, like I was the best and they were trying to beat me. Right. Um, and I got kind of uh, sick of that. So instead, I was like, you know, what? let's just. You know, let's um, prove them right, almost. So, like, I can be the villain, and I'm going to be good at it. Um, and I think I had to build up that skill over time. It was a lot of trial and error of, like, when is extorting too much? When does it feel like it makes sense and is effective? And when does it not work? Right. And when does it just make the person mad? Right. Um, um, and, you know, doing that for a while and... Um, Eventually, I kind of fell onto where I am now, where I can boat float and I can extort, and it's all uh, very situational. But um, I also kind of view it back from like my original group, where they always have heat on me, um, and to manage that, I you know just continually pressure them. And if everyone else is being pressured, they it's harder for them to pressure me. <laughs> Okay, so so yeah, so so you're describing a scenario where where there, you, know, you you already got so much heat on you, you may as well do all the things that generate heat because it doesn't you know mm -hmm. there's no benefit to not doing them. Like I think of a, of of you know depending on which faction I am, maybe I like explicitly don't take Imperial one round or don't mm -hmm. uh, score a secret too early or just something because I'm I'm trying not to generate more heat. But you're saying if you're going to get the heat anyway, you may as well just do it and then learn how to deal with that, which which yeah. definitely resonates. Exactly. Um, and like, even in like my um, in person group now where everyone is pretty experienced, I still experience what I would call the Kyle heat of like, <laughs> uh, all things being equal. If uh, something bad is going to happen, it should happen to me. Um, 
And so now the, I guess the ruthlessness, the extortion is my leverage against that. Or like they know I will follow through. If I am extorting your home system, I will take it. Um, but sometimes I can use that fact as like, don't mess with me and I won't mess with you. <laughs> right. So if there's a assumed um, threat, I guess, from me that I will be ruthless in some way, first of all, that makes people less, um, like, they can't be as risky around me. They have to protect what they have, otherwise I will take it. Um, and it makes them focus on their own game less than mine, of, like, how can I protect against <laughs> Kyle sniping random systems? Yep. Um, but it also is just, like, every time that you extort and follow through, that continues to build that reputation. And that goes back to the what you were talking about before, like, I wouldn't say I'm famous, but maybe infamous for <laughs> this kind of persona. Um, and that also comes with, you know, some respect. And also if the default is watch out, he could hurt you. Right. Then when I am nice, it lasts longer. Where like people are trying to um, continue to work with me and, with the assumption that once that doesn't happen, it's going to go bad. So then it's like an intentional let's be friends rather than that's the default and the bad part can't happen. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so, you know, some people, and I, I maybe even include myself here, like some people are going to say like, look, if I agree to something with you, you can count on that. And that, and, and in doing that, I'm, I'm hoping that that can like unlock, you know, Hey, you, maybe you make me some deal you wouldn't have made to someone else. Maybe you, you, uh, entrust something with me, you know, that, that mutually benefits us, but that, that you mm -hmm. wouldn't have offered to someone else. Like there's at least some, some thinking behind that, but you're saying, you know, even just like this thread of like, Hey, I could actually be really mean also as a way to generate niceness <laughs> because people are hoping yeah. that you don't do yeah. that to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause, um, I guess it's, um, kind of along the lines of carry a big stick and speak or speak softly and carry a big stick. But so there was only a few number of ways to, uh, get across the message that I do carry a big stick and that is through prior games and big talk and all that sort of stuff. Um, but they have to believe it for it to work. All right. One last question on this and then I'll, I'm going to move on to, to, to some, some different stuff, but I have, I, I, I like cannot win from ahead. I've at least <laughs> so far, uh, have learned that if I'm up three or four points and if anyone like notices that you know then i i've lost i i, I yeah. the way i'm going to win a game is by hiding just enough and, and you know i'm starting to get like a bit of a reputation i can't like you know it's not as easy as it used to be but like you know more or less kind of hiding and then you know pulling something off at the end or tricking someone or or, or making sure speaker order you know whatever um so i don't know if you have advice or, or if it's kind of you have to have this persona of like but like if if you're trying to deal with heat um you know do you, do you have specific advice for that or is or is it just i guess because because i guess what i'm saying is my advice for dealing with heat is don't generate any but you're saying you <laughs> may come in with some already so yeah you know, what, i'm what already coming with it so i'm i'm thinking like you might as well lean into it if they're gonna make you out to be the villain you can own it okay and then uh also in terms of like um psychological processes um and maybe showing a little bit about my personal uh, my um profession here um 
the more that you deny something and the more that people dig in their heels of that they're right, the more they're going to look for the information to prove it to you. But if you're just like, yeah, I'm ahead, um, but I can still like stop you from scoring this round. So if you try to stop me, <laughs> sure. I'm going to return the favor. Um, and we can be chill and um, we can keep helping each other, even if I am ahead, but also pointing out maybe where your tempo slows down or the problems that you might experience, or kind of highlighting all the things that are not going so well about your game, even if you are ahead, and leaning on the um, everyone's tempo as well. So I might be at three points round two, and everyone else is lower than that, but if I have scored two secrets and one public, that's a lot different than right. three block points. Um, pulling that up, also tends to help me to float someone else so I can point the finger at them. Um, <laughs> okay. So um, ride or dies are super helpful because um, you have someone to have your back um, and you can pressure the rest of the table while they kind of just, you guys do be mutually beneficial deals. Um, other heat things, um, I, think, I think it all just kind of, goes along for me with like just accepting it the more that you try to deflect and i can't score my secrets the more that they want to point it out right. um so i think um letting them win in that respect is actually hel helpful um and even like giving away information that maybe you wouldn't have but throwing in little tiny lies here and there can be helpful too of like um I found it like for when people are trying to stop my win, because I usually am winning from ahead, almost always. Okay. Um, if I'm winning from behind, I am usually the one who has to slay the people to win. Um, it doesn't usually just fall to me. Um, so I found like kind of throwing in little details, almost hints about um, my secrets or my path that are not necessarily 100% true can send them off on a wild goose chase to stop me, and, and they're thinking that I'm just kind of sharing these things, but I have nothing to do with that. Uh, so, like, for example, um, uh, whispering a neighbor, hey, do you mind if I send a ship into Malice and just hang out this round? <laughs> I'm not saying anything about the secret, but most people know that that is a secret. So I send that, and like, oh, yeah, it's my ride or die. They're not going to betray me. Um and then that is not my secret at all. I have to have five dreads or whatever. <laughs> okay. And then so yeah, awesome. the secret information permeates through the table. They're like, oh, we got him. We can stop him. And then they went the wrong way. So what I'm hearing just broadly, um, so, so what's coming to my mind, you know, I've kind of transitioning here. What's coming to my mind is I, I've lost all three um, SCPT tournament games I did this year. The first one, I, I got jazzed. Uh, I should have won, but Jazz Hands was just <laughs> masterful, masterfully. You know, I can talk about that later. But, um, but mm -hmm. the other two, I, I essentially was 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 ahead, right? I, I one of them was an Arborek. I should have won in round four, just barely got slayed. I can go back and figure out how I could have stopped it, kind of thing. The other one, I was Nalu, so we were kind of all tied, but Nalu wins, right? So, um, and 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 I just couldn't stop the slay. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything about it. It felt like I couldn't. Um, but what you're saying is you know, that's actually a skill. It sounds like there's actually things I could learn and get better at to, uh, to yeah. kind of help with that position. So that's something I'll, I'll keep in mind. Um, however, though you won at least, I don't know. I remember how many you played. It might've just been the one, but you won your uh, tournament game as ghosts, which is awesome. 
especially since they keep getting raked is kind of one of the, the worst factions. But um, <laughs> congratulations, first of all. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I, I played two games. The first one was with um, Sar. And I think I would have won that game, but just had bad dice luck. Plus, like, there was a little rule snafu with um, the Eidolon at uh, NRA Max <laughs> participating in a combat when they would should not have been. Oh, um, okay. I was taking shard for the 10th point, and it didn't um, pan out how I was expecting it. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the ghost game was, was interesting, and I think it kind of highlights another part of heat management. Um, of making it unclear whose problem it is or pointing out if you stop me, how are you going to stop the next person? Um, and um, sometimes people can deflect that and be like, well, if you are the table villain, everyone wants to stop you. Well, they wanted to stop me anyways because right. I'm, it's Kyle. They don't want Kyle to win. <laughs> so uh, sure. that kind of point is mute. Uh, moot, sorry. Um, yeah, to go back to the ghost game though... <clears throat> Um, I had way too much tempo and I don't know what was going on with the, the table specifically, but it, it was kind of a table of maybe bad factions or slow factions. Um, uh, and I got, I think three guac points. <laughs> okay. Um, nice. I, the final score was like 10 to six to six to five to five to five. Okay. Um, and it was round four. Um, so um, I, I don't. I don't even know like what specifically I did to do that. Well, I was going to ask um, you because 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 I, th I feel like you actually you know you kind of like ghosts. I was going to ask you just kind of like what goes into a good ghost game because I still actually haven't won as them. Although again, yeah, like, very close. I can think of two that are just <laughs> anyway. But maybe that game wasn't the best illustration of of whatever it is that that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, ghost is my favorite faction. Okay, um, cool. I just love the movement capabilities they have. The way that it's, I can downplay how strong I am because, you know, they're perceived as weak. Right. Um, there's definitely a difference in how people treat me when I play Ghost versus how when I play uh, Necro or Ysara or Mahakt, um, the generally strong factions. Um, I think Ghost is like walking a knife's edge um, where you're either winning or close to being eliminated. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. I think also like going back to the reputation thing, um, if people know what ghosts can do, they don't want to piss off ghosts because as soon as Creus IFF ends up in um, their enemy's hands, that's bad news, right? right? Um, and like in the recent SCPT guide, they when they talked about ghosts, they would say, um, you know, I'll give away if for whatever. Um, and I'll do that in the early game. I'll do like, uh, um, I'll give you a free wormhole. Um, if you place a wormhole for me, that right. removes the need for wormhole generator. If you have a buddy, it's great. Um, you can also offer, um, if services plus the, um, your Alliance and people like that too. Um, sometimes it can be hard to, sell the if in general because it feels like you have to point out its usefulness to people and um unless they are experienced with ghosts or know what the if is capable of right but like the the sky's the limit on that one um some things to be aware of um like intimidate council putting a um wormhole on mechatol lets a lot of people score it 
right. um, being aware of when control objectives come out. How can I help different people around the board get to where they need to go? Um, I think Ghost inspires a play style, or at least effective Ghost um, play style, in my opinion. Um, makes you not only think about your game, but how you can affect and improve other people's games um, so that they can not be focused on you at all. Um, so that they only see you as a resource that they don't want to lose, so they will not attack you. Um, and then as you're doing that, focusing on plastic and plastic to the most important thing, um, tech is great and fun, um, but really you only need like um, sling relay and carrier two at the very minimum. Um, and that is nice because you don't have to rely so hard on tech. Um, I like Fighter 2 as well with them. I like Dimensional Splicer. Um, sometimes I'll do AI dev so I can get Fighter 2, Carrier 2, and Dimensional Splicer. But that's kind of like in the best case scenario, tech rich, XD and Artifact goes tech kind of situations. Okay. Um, I think with Ghosts, um, other people have maybe considered, oh, they're in a, they need Imperial Round... Uh, to punch into Rex and Fleet Log, uh, Imperial. I haven't really found that to be super effective uh, for the most part because Ghost doesn't really have a lot of punch. Um, they have like a one good move maybe in the mid or late game if they um, put all of their ships into one system, but right. <clears throat> I tend to like to spread out um, and gum up a bunch of stuff. Um, so I'd rather be like balls to the wall custodians or die type thing and if i can get custodians as in a ghost game then it is almost always a s smooth sail into round five win um, because ghost is really good at scoring all the stage ones for the most part um and having malice as extra um, influence um and kind of cherry picking the best systems because you have the movement to get there like the slice for ghost does not matter really at all. <laughs> I've noticed when you that, think about yep. multi, when you think about multi draft, like I don't pick, I pick slice last because it doesn't matter to me what my slice looks like. I can get to all the equidistance usually, um, and um, really all that matters is malice, uh, mechatol, and you know hope's end sometimes like the big juicy systems because um, you don't have a lot of plastic in the first place. You kind of want to center your big plastic around your important planets um, and then constantly be moving through wormholes to generate fighters with your commander. It's it's such a fun time every time I play um, with them. And I think um, I have the best win rate with them of any of my factions I've played. I think it's um, it's like six wins out of eight plays or something like that. Yeah, that's not um, so, yeah. I know I have the most fun with ghosts. A lot of the things you say, one of, the, one of the things I found that I really value about factions is is the ability to just be really flexible and like yeah. get out of a scrape. You know, so someone, you know, gums something or someone takes this planet I need. Ghosts, you know, I don't care. I can go get that third tech skip all the way over there. You know, I, I, yeah. I really like flexibility in, in, the, in my factions. And so I've loved ghosts. But like I said, I just, I keep not quite getting the win with them. And uh, some of the things you've said, I think, probably would help me uh, it sounds like i, I never yeah. get custodians either that's like a play style thing i almost never get it and I, that's probably it sounds like it's hurting me yeah well with ghosts specifically like i guess with a, a table full of me so at the ruthless table um they probably punish you for it for the most part though most people don't punish that and uh, there's also a, a almost surefire way to get it round one um if you have trade 
which I can go into if you want. Um, but um, other than that, I just like um, prioritizing early speaker order for a multi-draft and either getting tech or trade. Okay. Um, or second uh, best would be to take politics and make some money selling it back to someone who's slower than you can't get to Rex in the first place. So then you just take it round two and be <laughs> like, oh my God, all my plastic is on Rex. I don't have anything else anywhere else. Um, woe is me. And people usually leave you alone, even though you're already <laughs> ahead on tempo. And then you just sit quietly in the corner scoring objectives. And maybe even like my tournament game, they just leave you on Rex because no one else is feeling like they can score it. And it's the problem of like, well, if I go in there with Imperial, someone's going to come hit me off. So then no one tries and you just continue to sit there. <laughs> So I, I think this is just cool to just kind of hear your thoughts about a faction that you've played a lot. Um, another one it sounds like that you've you know really put some thought into is Mentac. So that I've, I, oh, I, yeah. I looked apparently I've only played Mentac once. I could have sworn it was a couple more times, but that was another one that I never thought I would like because I I think of myself as not like I don't like pillaging people. I don't like being mean, but I had so much fun playing Mentac. I need to do that some more. It's just I keep I keep holding out for like really specific slices kind of with them. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on them too because there's another one that I, I apparently need some help on. Yeah, I love, I really love Mentech and I think it fits my play style well. Um, especially like if you consider like the, it's assumed that I'm going to hurt you. So you should be grateful when I don't kind of thing. Um, it's kind of like that with Pillage. Uh, you can almost use Pillage as a mind control device of like, Oh, I'm not going to pillage you if you do this for me. And it's like a bunch of the little favors over time can add up to something big. Sure. That's I think that's kind of if you're going to break it down to what it is about my play style that works for me, it's the accumulation of little deals over time. It's not a bunch of big fancy stuff for the most part. It's the little uh, increments of injections into my economy and positioning that make a difference. Um, for Mentech specifically, I have a... And I wrote, I started to write a guide for Mentech that I never really finished. Maybe I can get it back around to it, um, or I can share it with you. And it kind of centers around getting Mentech to their late game stage because once they are there, they are really good. But their early game always is a struggle. Um, right. This That's what I'm always scared only... about because I, I, I'm looking at the yeah. draft and I'm like, I'm going to pick Mentech, but I don't want them unless I'm like speaker or I have the perfect slice because they are rough in that first round yeah. or whatever yeah yeah exactly and yeah i've had some really bad first round mentech like take one system and pass it's not fun okay. um but uh my general strategy with mentech um and this relies on men- uh multi-draft um for the most part um is take a um speaker order first you need um for um speaker or second almost always um so that solves your um, strategy card problem because you need either tech or you need, um, I would say, tech or politics are my two picks. Okay. Um, and I'll get into why those are that in a second. Um, then you're looking for the yellow skip, preferably next to home. Um, and generally, people in multi-drafts don't pick Mentech because there's a, a kind of a feeling in the community that Mentac is not fun, or Mentac is bad, or you know all these things, and people are scared to pick them, almost like they're scared to pick Winu sometimes. Sure. So you can almost reliably um, know that Mentac is going to come back around. 
so you get the you get the speaker order, you get the slice with the yellow skip, hopefully, um, and then you pick Mantak. Okay, um, sure. Yep, because 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 probably the, no one else has taken them yet. It makes sense. Yeah, same thing with Ghost for the most part. Depending on the pool, um, Ghost can be a late pick. Um, sometimes when it's kind of all middling factions, maybe Ghost gets picked early. Same thing with Mentak. But, um, anyways, getting back to the strategy card thing, if you um, are following this, like how I'm thinking about it, it's rush mirror computing as soon as possible. That is their faction strength. It's to have more money than anyone else. Um, and um, I only get cruiser two if I can get around one or two. After that, it's too late. Right. The effectiveness of cruiser two plummets after that. Um, the ideal opening that I found is take tech. Um, Make a neighbor, maybe even make a I won't pillage trade. Um, if you give me an X plus one, that's one of my um, favorite things. I'm not going to pillage anything if you give me the money I need. Um, and that keeps you in good graces and everyone else happy, even though you're making more money than everyone else already on top of that. Um, so you get the extra dollars you need to double tech and um, get Psycho Archaeology, which gives you a green. So now you have red, yellow, green. You can get cruiser two. And now your start is much better because you have cru two cruisers that can take two distant systems. Um, with that, being next to wormholes is awesome because you can get more connectivity, more neighbors. And uh, I've often found myself, if when this works, I end up in like three equidistance round one. <laughs> and they're not mine. <laughs> um, and just, just the threat of a Mentec, uh cruiser two with um, ambush and... Um, um, the fact that it is already like in spot to pillage, like people don't want to deal with that. It's really annoying to deal with. Even one dread versus a um, ambush cruiser two is not. It's not good odds for them. Um, it's kind of like a deterrent rather than like it actually being good. I tend not to try to rely on the ambush effectiveness and sure. use it more of like a don't mess with me because that could go bad. Um, so. There's that part of the kind of the early game. Getting Cruiser 2 round 1 helps tremendously. But if it doesn't happen, uh, I tend to just pick up Psychoarchaeology. Uh, let's say I, this is the scenario where we have um, uh, politics. Make myself or my right neighbor speaker to make sure to get tech round 2. All, both of these strategies are relying around getting a bunch of tech early so we can get to mirror computing and salvage ops. And then kind of steamrolling from there. Um, because the amount of plastic you can pump out is insane with this kind of things. Um, so the idea there is that you're going to use that yellow skip twice when you double yes, tech. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, so okay, cool. if yep. you have tech round one and you get uh, psychoarchaeology psycho and cruiser two, that is your movement solved for, the, for at least the early and mid game. Then round two, you skip right into salvage ops. And then round three, you're out mirror. Um, so that's minimum round three mirror computing. If you did the politics into, uh, with, uh, psychoarchaeology and now you have tech round two, well, now you're at mirror computing because you skipped it twice and now you can save your token economy with trade goods and you can build a bunch of plastic. Um, <laughs> the difference from the round two or three, um, Kyle playing Mentech and token economy to, to the after that is insane sometimes because like, I'll have like a stack of trade goods and one 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 in my tactic uh, fleet and strategy pool, 
after leadership, it's it's three 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 all of a sudden. Yeah, you're 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 good then. All right, one last uh-huh. thing. This sounds really like like actually a lot like the last Mentat game I played, which also I should have won if I if I didn't forget that Barony's mech had a deploy. I think I would have ah, taken dang. that one. But um, one la- one thing about Mentat. So so everything you're saying really resonates with me. Again, only played them once. Not going to pretend like I'm an expert. I'm an expert, but I hear people. Uh, go you know they you know yes mirror computing but the other thing you got to make sure you're getting is like ai development you have to get war suns it's almost like it's like critical for for Minti to no. get war suns and, <laughs> and i and i at least get it because you've got all the trade goods maybe like it's not like i don't understand um but i i just i guess i'll just you know ask you it doesn't sound like you're recommending that no i'm not i'm not a war sun mentac player um i don't like ai dev on them at all actually um I get why it's good. It helps you get Destroyer 2 and War Sons and Cruiser 2, and those are all great. Um, but it doesn't lean into your faction strength, that would, which is being being better at having more money than everyone else and stealing the money from people. Um, <laughs> sure. So um, I think going as fast as you can to mirror computing is the, at least for, in my experience, the most consistent way to do well with Mentech. Um, and it can help you get through your early game easier. And yeah, War Suns are cool and can get you into a late game situation where you can punch into something. But so can a bunch of plastic. And I'd rather build three dreads for the price of um, or was that four? Eight? Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. For the price of one War Sun, and that is a lot more HP. And it's also um, more, um, you know, less dice. I guess same amount of dice roll than a less number, but um it's it's more hit points um, and more flexible you know you can send them three and more flexible now if you need yeah to or something yep okay yeah exactly um and once you have psychoarchaeology you can go snipe a blue skip and now you have access to the blue tree and then you can get carrier two and then you can get your dread down too um and getting there first is really good their mechs are really good at holding the ground because they counter other people's mechs um the flagship is amazing with the hero um, I generally save the hero for a mechatol push or defending my home. If you leave the flagship at home with a sizable fighter screen, no one can get through that. Um, it's basically impossible with the hero. Um, and so like, try not to think about the hero as like a cool way to get a bunch of plastic because it generally doesn't work. They just retreat. Right. Um, so unless you're holding like a intercept or they have no retreat path, um, not always, um, the best to do that salvage drops really cool it rewards you for for getting into fights and every time they attack you it just makes you more money um it also means that if you win a combat you replace your ships um with the ships that you destroyed it's awesome um, but it is uh definitely second to mirror computing well i this is this has been awesome i'm sure someone's going to look at the time stamp on this episode and be like what on earth you know <laughs> what happened to my 20 minute podcast or whatever but i've had a lot of fun they let kyle talk that's well but i, I it's all been good like i you know I, I don't mind cutting somebody off if i but no I, I've, I've been really enjoying it i want to do maybe one last thing and then i'm going to let you go let the listeners you know go um or, or they can listen to it on their next commute or whatever um and i'd love to just do tech of the week with you while i've got you Hell does yeah. that sound fun yeah, I'm done. All right. So let's do take of the week. Um, I am not going to pretend like I'm shuffling my deck this time. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and grab one that uh, that I think might just be fun to talk about here. It is another yellow one. It's Transit Diodes. 
Oh, um, finishing out the yellow tree. Love it. I, I, I there's got to be like one more in there or something. But yeah, we're just, just, just it's for whatever reason that's been the favorite so far. So let me just read it for everybody. This is transit diodes. It's a yellow tech to yellow prerequisite. It says you may exhaust this card at the start of your turn during the action phase. Remove up to four of your ground forces from the game board and place them on one or more planets you control. Um, I'm going to ask you about this. My, I'll just share my, my quick gut reaction first, and then you can you can say more. I This is a lot like uh, Scanlink. It's a lot like these other techs where like I love it, and I always wish I had it, but I keep not getting it because I always want blue or I want something else more. Mm-hmm. But when I've got it, I just, I love, again, I love that I can, you know, go take over something and then move my stuff back. Um, I, mm-hmm. I mentioned before, I love not getting stuck on stuff. Like if, if, if someone, um, you know, if, 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 if someone like, uh, signal jams me or just something like I, I can maybe get my yeah. mix back. Right. I, I really love the flexibility of this card, but I, again, I will say I don't usually end up researching it anymore as much as I maybe used to. Yeah. And I would say that I'm probably in the same boat. I, I really do like it on a few factions, and I will go out of my way to get it on those factions. But generally, it's like, a yeah, well, this would be great and nice and helpful, but I don't have the time to get there. Um, I think its benefit is, yeah, that flexibility. And sure, you can solve some of those problems with careful planning, but the game is so volatile and changes so quickly that sometimes you just need to react. And having that fall back that I can move my stuff around when they aren't expecting it right. um, or they can't plan for that because they haven't exhausted it yet and they don't know where I could go with it, um, lets you remain flexible, which is great. Um, the factions I generally get it on um, would be <clears throat> Mahakt and um, Hakan. Hakan so that you can move your mechs around and sell planets like crazy. Oh, um, sure. That helps you you know, do the fancy dock thing after you build and then move the thing back home and then you know um that whole thing and with mahawk it's it's really fun because your mechs are you know the star lancers are like ceasefires so i can take a system and keep my home protected with the mech and then when no one's in range of my home transit diodes the mech to that forward position i just took for an objective and all of a sudden they can't take it and they weren't (laughs) expecting that part right or maybe they've been stalling and they're waiting for their moment to take that planet and oops sorry there's a star lancer there I love the timing. I mean, I guess it might be more fun if it was like at the end of your turn or something, but, but the yeah. fact that it's, it doesn't take a whole action to even do right. It's, it's, it's just, you know, I'm going to do this really quick and then, you know, can move on with my day. I, yeah. I, I do love this. Like every other yellow tech, basically. I just yeah. wish it were. It also helps with the boat float meta of trading planets. You don't have to move the sh- ships off you, or, you know, um, if you don't have the token, you can just transit the dudes off. Oh, and then true. you're good to take it. And you can put them back exactly where you want them. You can move them back home if you need to. You can put them yeah, on mm-hmm. some random front line. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it also helps a lot of objectives like um, all the ones or what's uh, Occupy the Fringe right. um, or um, four mechs on uh, different planets, um, NRA, Commander, all those kind of things. I think the last two or helpful. three times I got Transit was probably because I got Occupy the Fringe. And I yeah. just... I don't know why I didn't feel like I shouldn't just load up my carriers and just get it done. But some some reason I thought transit diodes was the way to go. So, um, yeah. cool. Well, this has been, again, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for, for coming on here. Um, any final shout outs or, or, you know, closing thoughts before, before I let you go? 
Yeah, um, if anyone listening is in Texas, uh, we're having a Texas tournament um, for the Lone Star Galactic Council um, coming up in um, January. I believe it's the 13th and 14th. Um, I am the current defending champion, so come slap me around, be ruthless to me. Um, <laughs> of course you would love to see you all there. Well, cool. Okay. Well, like I said, with that, I'll let you go. Really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun, um, and hopefully for everybody else it will be too. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun to have Kyle on. So with that, let's just go to some various updates and wrap this show up. Um, for Async Tournament 2, we're now up to 27 final semifinalists, I should say. Uh, game 3, Max Love, Max less than 3. 1 is a sorrow in, in Control is the only winner this week, but we're getting close. Only three more to go as far as I can tell. For async rank, we've got three new ministers. As a reminder, their minister rank goes to anybody who wins a TIGL game and doesn't already have a rank. And those new ministers are Max, uh, who won in the tournament game, which they also counted as a, a, a TIGL game. Argo Control, big shout out to him, and Fled Unicycle, so or Fled as I usually just call him. So very excited about that. We've got 25 ministers and one agent. And a couple of cool recent bot updates. Uh, after the conversation last week about solo mode a lot of people started doing solo games and jazz hands went ahead and fixed some bugs to make that a, a better experience for people go ahead and check that out in the bot announcements channel for more details but uh, basically he also added the ability to go ahead and set up magi's madness as like a preset map um, also the tisp map or the toy teaspoon map which uh, is a really cool like no edge of the board sort of map so Check that out for more details. And it's fun to see so many solo mode games happening. Uh, I have not done one yet, but loving to, to see the people experimenting with that format. And then some cool stats from Finn. He said that over the last four months, 820 async games have finished. 50% uh, of those were 38 days or shorter. So that's like the median game length is, is you know, about four, four or five weeks, I guess, 38 days. The average, was 51 days because there's you know some some long ones on the on the high end like 266 like I mentioned at the beginning. PBD 100 also finally finished at 464 days. Uh, I gave a brief update on that in an earlier episode. I do eventually want to get somebody who kind of lived that in here to talk about that at some point. But huge to see that finally end. I believe Mentac won. I believe with a support, which of course the game would end that way. Um, but, you know, again, just, just cool for Finn to share those uh, stats with us. And with that, we'll call the show a wrap. Thanks for listening to Strength and Bonds. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and probably some other places. If you liked this episode, leave a comment on the episode discussion in Discord or come by the sandwich bar to chat about the show. And remember, go take your turns.